Hello and welcome to Nature Snippets, a podcast about the natural world, about organisms you may find in your backyard and beyond. I'm Declan McCabe, coming to you from St. Michael's College in Colchester, Vermont. Okay, so I wanted to talk today about uh, biodiversity and in particular loss of biodiversity on the planet and also opportunities to improve that situation. It's well established that we are in a bit of a free fall as far as biodiversity goes. Uh, it's not just tropical rainforests that we're losing, but we're losing habitats elsewhere also. And so one of the things I teach students about is how biodiversity is being lost and what we can actually do about it. So in my courses, I talk about the major causes of biodiversity loss and about, you know, the ways that even in your own backyard or your own front yard, you can do something about it. The major causes of biodiversity loss on the planet are habitat loss, invasive species, and exploitation. Habitat loss, obviously, we are co-opting more and more and more of the planetary surface for our own needs. And in the process, as we take over more habitat, we start to eliminate the species that lived there before we took it over. And so as farming has expanded in various places and as we have cut down more forest and created more fields, we lose biodiversity. So that's the, the, the major smoking gun as far as biodiversity loss goes. Second one we worry about is invasive species. We have homogenized the planet. And what I mean by that is the fauna and the flora in North America becomes more similar to the fauna and the flora in Europe because we brought in a whole bunch of species from that location. We brought species in from Asia. And similarly, we have exported North American species to places like Europe and Asia and Africa and elsewhere. And so that's the second smoking gun. Those species get here and they tend to compete with our native species. They tend to take over large areas and they don't have a lot of natural herbivores or predators to keep them in check. So that's the second major cause. And of course, then we have direct exploitation. When we go out and we hunt rhinoceros for their horn or we hunt birds for their feathers, we bring down the numbers of those populations. And when the populations become small enough, the smaller they get, the larger the risk there is of extinction. And so there are many, many examples of this. And rather than dwelling on documenting extinction after extinction after extinction, I want to move on to the positive and things that we can actually do. I'm not denying the negativity. I'm not denying the problem. I'm just saying that if your choice is to dwell on the negative rather than doing something about it, then you could spend a lot of depressing time charting the disappearance of species when you could actually be doing something about it. So I want to move on to what we can do. I'm going to start off with a quote, and this comes from Aldo Leopold, Sand County Almanac. One of the penalties of an ecological education is that one lives alone in a world of wounds. So that quote emphasizes what we could do. We could dwell on the negative. Let's talk about the positive. Lots of programs and suggestions have been suggested out there. And uh, E.O. Wilson recommended that we set aside half of the earth for nature, essentially, so we could create large preserves and essentially protect the biodiversity that we have. 
that remains while we still can. And it sounds like a lot, but it's not nearly as bad as you might think in terms of it being unrealistic. There are actually places where we can set aside large swaths of land for nature. And even in Vermont, we're looking at a 30 by 30 program, the idea being to preserve 30% by uh, 2030, and then a 50 by 50 to preserve 50% of Vermont by 2050. And these goals are actually achievable. It can be done. But beyond the larger scope and beyond large government level preservation, like the Adirondack National Park, for example, there are things we can do garden by garden, yard by yard, and farm by farm, and indeed campus by campus. And I want to talk about that a little bit and also announce a few events that we have coming up for Earth Day. So one wonderful program is something that Doug Tallamy writes about, and that is what he calls the Homegrown National Park. And when he came into our class and talked about it on Zoom, I made the mistake of calling it a Backyard National Park, and that is not, in fact, what he's shooting for. He is pushing the idea that front yard, backyard, any yard, any space you've got, you can actually have native vegetation. And that's something that we are actually doing at St. Mike's right now. And so the point that he made by not calling it the Backyard National Park is that native vegetation is attractive and can be in your front yard. And if it is in your front yard, the native vegetation provides the base of the food web and chomping on your native vegetation in a sustainable manner will be native insects. And so if you foster native insects, you will in turn foster native birds. And so rather than planting, you know, a Japanese maple, for example, you can plant a sugar maple. And rather than planting rhododendrons from some other country, why not plant some native vegetation that will do well in Vermont habitats, in Vermont conditions, and sustain the base of our food web, and therefore sustain our native birds. As part of this initiative, St. Michael's College is planning during Earth Week to put in 21 mature trees on campus, so as mature as we can get in the ground, as mature as we can afford. So in other words, we're buying the largest trees we can buy, we're buying natives, and we are putting them in. So we'll have an excavator in, we'll be digging the holes, and we'll have a small army of students, faculty, and staff out there, along with our administrators, putting trees in the ground. Of the 21 trees we're putting in, we're putting in a total of 18 species. And these are native species to provide the advantages that I just mentioned. So that's the first event that's happening. And that's going to be obviously not a, a crisp event that happens all at one time. It's going to happen between classes. It's going to happen when professors bring students out of their classes to plant trees. And it's going to happen through most of the week. So that, that, that's happening. Other events that we're having associated with um, Earth Week is we have a series of talks happening. So I'm giving one of those talks, and my talk will be, you know, on this very content that I'm talking about right now. And I'll bring a picture, a set of slides and pictures along to uh, illustrate what we're doing on campus and also what we have done and how we measure biodiversity and how students measure biodiversity. And all of the techniques I'll be talking about um, for doing this type of work are techniques that I've done with high school students as well as with my own kids and as well as with college students. So that event will be April 18th at 6 p.m. The title is The Biodiversity Crisis and What We Can Do About It. That's going to happen in the McCarthy Arts Centre. It's free admission and open to the public, so I encourage people to come to that. 
if you are unable to come or you don't like getting in crowds because, you know, maybe there's a pandemic happening, uh, you might like the live stream. And that will be at the St. Mike's website. And just look for SMC Presents. So it's smcvt.edu forward slash SMC Presents. Another event that we have happening will be with Brian Collier. And Brian Collier is um, in our art department and he has been instrumental in doing a program called The Unlawning of America. And so his he describes this as a call to inaction. He just wants you to stop mowing your lawn. And so uh, that's one program he's been pushing. And we've got a couple of patches on campus where we've started to do that. So if you drive around our campus and just look for the no mow signs, you'll see that there is attractive native vegetation coming up in place of what used to be lawn. And so I'd like you to think about this from the point of view of your campus or your backyard or your front yard or your church grounds. The uh, religious organizations have gotten on board with pushing for care of the earth. And there is actually a document put out by the Pope a few years back, an encyclical called Laudata Si. And that is pushing for us to preserve the natural beauty of the of, of the planet and preserve biodiversity as an ethical charge. So that's important and we can do that. You can do it anywhere simply by not mowing your lawn. And you'll have to talk to your neighbours a little bit about it. You'll have to bring them around and you won't be able to bring them all around. But um, it's your space and you're in charge. So, um, you know, uh, you can deliberately put in native vegetation and reduce the amount of lawn that we've got. So uh, I wanted to highlight what Professor Collier is doing in the coming week. So his event, uh, he has a, a, lo- a small presentation, an, in- an indoor presentation called The Art and Ecology of Unlawning America. And that is April 21 at 2.45 in the Farrell Room. It's part of our Humanities Colloquium. So if you are a person on campus who's hearing this, um, that's something you can attend. Come to this event in the Farrell Room, which is on the third floor of St. Edmund's Hall. A second thing that Professor Collier is doing is a dedication ceremony for his Ecological Change Maker. So the Ecological Change Maker is a sculpture that he's installing and he's putting it in at the Tree Island Forest Park. And that's happening at April 19th at 1.30. And the location is on the right side of the Allenbrook School parking lot in Williston. So that's accessible to everybody and I'll repeat the time and location in a second. But one of the things that Professor Collier has been doing in the last couple of years is he has been helping us remove an invasive species called buckthorn. And so in addition to planting native vegetation, we're trying to remove invasive species. And so we often will go down there and we'll cut them. If we cut them, it it treats it like pruning and they come right back. So we cut them again and again. And uh, we've been doing that for a while. But Professor Collier has a much more effective approach and, and what he does is he goes down there with his truck and he takes a rope and he ties it around the base of a buckthorn and he picks the biggest ones that he can that he can handle and he pulls them out of the ground and he cuts around the roots and he's got uh, dual motivations in doing this one is he's removing a large buckthorn in each case and the largest buckthorn you can remove means that you are removing the source of most of the berries that are shed 
and that therefore form the source of additional buckthorns. So a good strategy is to remove the largest buckthorn you can possibly remove, and he has gotten very good at that. And then he takes these and he turns them upside down and he turns them into art, and he incorporates them into some fantastic sculptures that he installs in various places. So his ecological change maker sculpture will be installed at the Tree Island Forest Park, April 19th at one thirty. Uh, right-hand side of the Allenbrook School parking lot in Williston. So that's an event that's happening as well. And then I've got another event that's coming, and this event will be strictly online. So many of you may be familiar with the work that uh, Susan Morse has done over the years. Susan Morse is a wildlife biologist who runs Keeping Track Vermont, and she also is an incredible photographer. And so she is offering, and St. Michael's College is hosting, an event called Wild About Wild Habitat. And so this is Susan's instructional, essentially, on how you can really make a difference in terms of protecting habitat. And one of her slogans that she likes is, if you don't build it, they will come. And uh, it puts a nice twist on that. And so she's going to focus on the Champlain Valley and focus on Vermont's most densely populated region and what opportunities are there to encourage wild habitats. And if you think about it, town by town, we are faced with uh, choices between how we develop, how we accommodate our bulging population, and how we still can protect our habitats. And one slogan that I hear again and again as I visit various towns and put in trail cameras is I hear people saying, well, you have a choice. Your town can continue to be a bobcat and fox town, or your town can become a raccoon and rats town. And so which town would you like to live in? I personally am fond of of the bobcats and foxes. I'd I'd rather see them. And I'm lucky. I'm in South Burlington. There has been a a movement to do intelligent habitat protection and being careful about how we develop. And so there's been a report produced looking at the core areas of wildlife habitat in South Burlington. So we have a list. We've identified them and ranked them. And then when a developer wants to develop a property, if that property is impinging on one of those core habitats, there'll be a discussion and a debate. But the first process is to identify what you've got, and that has been done. I got recently involved in one of those. There's a site where the developers really thought it was not good wildlife habitat, and they suggested as much, and their consultants suggested as much. And so I'm, a, I'm fond of data. So we got out there with some trail cameras, and we determined, in fact, that there were bobcats and otters and mink living right on the site. And so it's nice to be able to gather the data, and it's very easy to do so these days. So another way you can help with our local biodiversity issue is to get involved in work like that. And if you can afford a $100 trail camera, you can document wildlife, and you can put it on a website. Sue Morse's event is April 27th at 7 p.m., and it will go out live. It also will be recorded, but to do see it live and to be able to participate and ask questions by typing them into the Zoom link, you should go to uh, familyforests.org and search for Wild About Wild Habitat. So this event is strictly streaming, and um, it will go out live from the studios of St. Michael's College, April 27th, 7 p.m. Look for it at familyforest.org forward slash wild about wild habitat 
And those words, wild about wild habitat, are linked with just a dash. Okay, so there's no spaces in the URL. And you do need to register. And once you've registered, you'll receive a Zoom link, and that will be happening. So that's another event that we have coming along here. So I think that's where I'm going to wrap it up for today. Um, I encourage you all to protect habitats. I encourage you to plant native vegetation in your backyard, your front yard. I encourage you to lobby your local church if you are involved in a church and encourage them to save save money by just not cutting the grass and go one step farther and install native vegetation. You can put it in knee-high, as we often do at St. Mike's, and it will grow. We put in sycamores, which are uh, just a little bit out of their range here. We're right at the northern edge of the range, so when the climate continues to warm, those sycamores will be very happy here, you know, 40 years from now. We put them in in 2019 at knee-high. A whole bunch of students, faculty and staff went around with shovels. We dug holes, we put in sycamores. And now when you walk down there, those sycamores, you can look up at them and birds are perching in them. They're getting big enough that they're starting to shed their bark in the way that sycamores do. We've also put in red oak. We've put in swamp white oak. We've put in a whole bunch of native vegetation. And you also can do that. So do that. I would encourage everyone to get involved politically with your local township organizations and with your local city and find ways that you can protect habitats. And also, I would encourage you to contact your state legislators. It's not that Vermont can solve the entire global biodiversity crisis, but we need to own our piece of it. And we need to be responsible and take responsibility for our little piece of the puzzle. And if every municipality, every state, every county does that, we will, in fact, have made a significant difference. So that's it for today. Thank you for hanging with me. And I hope you can attend some of the events that I just listed. Nature Snippets is recorded in the Media Creation Studio at St. Michael's College with technical support from Patrick Bohan and his student intern, Peyton Edwards. That's all for today, folks. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please consider subscribing wherever you find your podcasts. This is a bi-weekly podcast, so you can expect a new episode every other Friday. Thank you once again for listening.